Welcome back to the Axe Murder Diaries. I'm your host, Amanda Millette, and this is the murder of Marie Carmelia Fuda. So this murder occurred February 17th, 1897. Now, I really worked hard to organize my notes here. Uh, Once I stumbled upon this case, I looked up the name and found so many articles and found it just so interesting. So I hope that you find it as interesting as I do. So, February 17th, 1897, just before 11 o'clock p.m., Engineer M.P. Gates of a fright passing through East Norwalk saw the body of a woman lying on the eastbound track. He thought she had been killed by a train and stopped to investigate, but the crew saw clear marks of violence, the head being terribly gashed in as if an axe had been used. The woman's head was covered with wounds, any of which was sufficient to cause death. There were also footprints and evidence of a violent struggle. A hatchet with blood and hair on it was found 100 yards away from the body. The next day, the search began. They found her husband, Giuseppe Fuda, in a lodging house in NYC and arrested him. Then tracked down and captured a man named Nicodemo Imposino. Between Between 9 and 10 p.m., Giuseppe and Maria were seen riding on the train from Stamford to Norwalk, Connecticut. Police took Giuseppe's shoes and fitted them to the tracks found in the mud near the body. The bloody hatchet was identified as belonging to Giuseppe. Two neighbors saw him with it the day of the murder. Fiuda told them that he was going to have it sharpened. A coat covered in blood was also found in Fiuda's home. There was a hole on the inside pocket and this pocket was large enough to carry the hatchet, and they assumed that the hole was created by the sharpness of the hatchet. Upon arrest, he signed that he was not guilty. While signing, he told the interpreter, because he spoke Italian, I will tell how it all happened. The interpreter reminded him that anything he said could be used against him, and Fuda said, then I will say nothing at all. Fuda was held without bail and was committed to the tombs for 30 days to await requisition papers from Norwalk. Fuda refused to talk about the case. So the trial of Fuda was held in June where he, quote, finally admitted the murder and told the story in full, but implicated Impasino as the man who struck the fatal blows. He confessed that he had held his wife while Imposino struck her in the head with the hatchet. The murder was the result of his jealousy of her, Imposino having wrought him up to rage with stories of, about her unfaithfulness. And that is a quote. So he was found guilty on June 11, 1897, and sentenced to die June 17, 1897. So one month before he was to be hanged, he wrote a confession, and I'm going to pull it up here. Confession of Fuda, written in Italian and signed in blood, drawn from his wrist, doomed man tells how he murdered his wife. Confession made at instance of his spiritual, it says instance, I'm sure 
now we would say insistence, but, or ins, anyway. Confession made at instance of his spiritual advisor. The confession of Giuseppe Fiuta, the East Norwalk wife murderer, who was to be hanged at the state prison Friday, December 3rd, is a somewhat remarkable document. It was made November, made November 5th at the instance of the Reverend Edward A. Flannery, who was con- the condemned man's spiritual advisor. Fiuta wrote it in Italian and signed it with blood drawn from his wrist by the scratching of the pen in order to signify its absolute truth. He gave it to Warden Woodbridge, who in turn gave the document to Father Flannery for translation. The translation was returned to Warden Woodbridge and is as follows. I, Fuda Giuseppe, by way of confession, declare my whole story as I can. From the time I married up to today, when I married this woman, she was planted in my heart. I did not let her want for any comfort of life. Then I wished to come to America. She was willing. Then I left all my goods and came, and within five months I saved and sent her. 637 lire? Lire? She did nothing but sold my goods in my house and spent the money with her lovers, who received 250 scudi? question mark and it says question mark afterwards she grew ashamed to remain in a place which was up against her she left quietly by night and came here she wrote me from the battery i go and receive her with so much love i did not believe that my what my parents write i brought her to stanford then i was witness of all her doings i went to work and she passed her time and pleasures my neighbors told me all Afterwards, she told me with her own lips that she intended to go to New York to live a public life. I said to her, what is wanting to you in my house? She paid no attention. She was a woman of vile tongue at all times, and I blushed to walk with Christians to be treated with insult. Then the thought came to kill her, going through the village. I told it to, to Impasino, and he answered, If you will do this, I will conduct you to a place far away where no one will see. I, being mad, hearing so many things, said, yes, let us go. He went to see what time the train left in the evening. We boarded and arrived at that accursed spot. Impasino says, I will go and see if anyone is on the bridge, and when I say all right, you will kill her. He said all right, and I, mad as I was, kill her, and this is capitalized, and run to join Impasino where he stood. We went to Stanford. In the morning, I go to New York. Saturday, they arrest me, and I, stupid, did not tell the truth and thought to say that it was Impasino, believing that both would escape with life. But he is innocent, only that he came with me. He did nothing in the murder, because he must die. I, in conscience, pardon him, because I did it all, and I... I pay with it all. But from all that woman made me suffer, I ought to pay not with death, but with life, punishment. A young man of 29 years who was ashamed to walk, who was not a man to be called horned something, it's translated, who was of good family and of as good conduct as any in Italy. For the conduct of that woman I do not take, should not receive, 
more than 10 or 15 years. Wow. Um, what an asshole. Because I left nothing wanting to her ease of life, but then you took her life. She did everything as she liked. She even left the keys of the house and the property to her lover in Italy. She left them all, and I, poor young man, worked for them. In the end, I became mad. I no longer knew what to do. I was without sense and thought to do that deed, to take her life. But no matter, we're all born to die poor and rich. All must come to it. No one remains on earth forever, but in the fear of the Lord as she was, so wicked a woman. They should have given me my life to work for the state. She was not a good woman, and to betray her, I killed her. She was a woman that ruined a decent family and dishonored it, and not being able to remain longer in that country, she fled all alone and by night to return to ruin me. This young man in Pacino did nothing to her. I declare it as my confession, and this is my whole story. I can do no more. This is the misfortune of my life. 29 years and never an hour of prison. And now I but try the prison when I go to die. But I have recourse to the blessed trinity. They who are judges and magistrates and are to a just heart and to the afflicted who depend upon them justice in heaven and on earth and they have power over all i will not despair i must die yes but may god who rules in heaven and on earth then may all the judges of the state soften their hearts and give me life for all that woman did traitress wow traitress but enough i have told my story my confession and I send greetings to those may read, and to the judges, and I sign myself in sorrow. Fuda Giuseppe, 5 November, 1897. Father Flannery desired to have Impacino's case brought to the attention of the authorities in order to save him from execution. If he is innocent of actual murder and informed Governor Cook of the confession, the governor replied to his letter as follows. Executive Department, Hartford, November 23rd, 1897. Reverend Edward Flannery. My dear sir, your communication containing the case of Buda and in Pacino is at hand. I will inform you that I have not the power to pardon or to commute punishment of any criminal condemned under our laws. We have a board of pardons composed of five members who sit at different times through the year and appeals for pardons are brought to this board. If you desire me to send your communication to this board, I will do so. I have, however, not great expectation that the board would be interfere to prevent the sentence of the court being carried into effect. But if you desire, I will send the paper to the Chief Justice of the State. Very respectfully, yours signed, Lauren A. Cook. The Board of Pardons meets in the Supreme Court room the first Monday in December, and in Pocino's case may come before it if the members so decide. Uh, luckily, he was not pardoned. Um, just for the record, I you know I read his confession, um, but I feel like whatever he says is bullshit because he literally brutally murdered his wife, lied about who did it for months. And now he's saying that it's all her fault and he gave her everything while he also ended her life.
All right. Now, what I also found interesting was the articles about his last days. And, okay. Imposino, nervous. Oh, poor baby. In the steel cage guarded by the officers who cared for Fuda. Nicodemo Imposino, who is to be hanged for participation in the murder of Mrs. Giuseppe Fuda in the East Norwalk, is in the steel cage at the prison awaiting his doom, which is fixed for Friday morning, December 17th. The same guard is caring for him that cared for his partner in the crime, Giuseppe Fuda, Officer Graham, Daywatch, and Officers Reed and Ellsworth at night. Imposino has been very nervous since occupying the cage, and although he speaks English fairly well, is not inclined to talk, apparently fearing that he may say something that will be misunderstood. Imposino is also Italian. The Reverend Edward A. Flannery, the spiritual advisor of the condemned man, visited him yesterday and talked with him. Imposino felt more comfortable after his visit, and it seemed a pleasure to him to converse with someone in the Italian tongue. The officials of the prison regard Fuda as the better man of the pair of murderers. I mean, obviously, they're both pieces of shit. Um, but this just showed that... Giuseppe Fiuto was just full of shit, and he was considered the worst. I mean, he did murder his wife, but just from their opinions as well. And how dare he want to be pardoned for that? Because she was a, quote, traitress. So in Giuseppe Fiuto's final days, so he was actually executed before in Pacino. So sorry, I read that sort of backwards. Giuseppe Fiuto. His photograph taken and he is measured for his coffin. Giuseppe Fuda, who is to be hanged Friday morning for the murder of his wife in East Norwalk, is visited daily by the Reverend Edward A. Flannery, his spiritual advisor. He appears about as he has for the past few days, quiet and composed. His photograph was taken a day or two ago and he apparently was well satisfied with himself. He posed with a prayer book in one hand and a bouquet in the other with a chrysanthemum chrysanthemum boutonniere. Yesterday, he was measured for the clothes he is to wear at the execution and for his coffin. He is five feet and five and three-fourths inches tall, is 20 inches across his shoulders, and wears a number 10 boot. The gallows, which is to be used, has been retested and put in perfect order, as it is expected that it will work as satisfactorily as formerly. So I just think it's interesting what they chose to report on. And I feel like they reported on every little detail, which I do find interesting. And he did end up sending, so that photo was taken basically for his funeral. And he sent, on his last days, he wrote letters to his friends in Italy. And he sent that photo to his mother. The Hanging. In the end of November, Fido was placed in the steel cage in the execution house and the death watch was set over him. Quote, Fuda exhibited no emotion when placed in the cage Saturday. He gathered up his belongings and was soon locked in the cage, which he will not leave until he marches to the gallows. Imposina will be placed in the steel cage the day following Fuda leaving it. Giuseppe Fuda went to the gallows for the butchery of his wife at East Norwalk the night of February 17, 1897. By his own confession, he and Nicodemo Nicodemo Imposino 
plotted and carried out the brutal murder of Marie Carmelia Fuda. Quote, Fuda weakened for a few seconds before the trap was sprung, necessitating the attending officers holding him up. When jerked into the air, his neck was broken, and it was less than nine minutes when the attending physician pronounced life extinct. Um, so it was interesting. They started this um, newer thing at the Weathersfield, Connecticut State Prison, um, where they used what was called the automatic gallows. But in one article, they pointed out how that's a strange name because it was death was not automatic. I mean, he was flung into the air and then it took nine minutes for him to go down. And that is a long time. Um, so he was hanged at the automatic gallows at 12.22 a.m. Um, I do find it a little eerie um, that they decided to do the executions in the middle of the night. So, murderer's accomplice hanged. Despite Feuda's confession, Nicodemo, Nicodemo Imposino was found equally guilty and was hanged at Weathersfield State Prison at 12.30 a.m. December 17th. Imposino lured Mrs. Feuda to the railroad track where her husband butchered her with a hatchet, placing the body where it would appear that she has, had been killed by a train. Uh, so what I also found interesting was, so the old Weathersfield State Prison was torn down, turned into a park, um, but is now the, the site of the DMV. Um, and apparently there is a plaque there to note the burial, um, the prison burial plot. Like, there's no stones or anything, but apparently a bunch of executed prisoners are buried there. And that is interesting, and I'm going to see if I can get over to Connecticut and look for that plaque. Um, and I just want to discuss a few things, so... Obviously, this case is very tragic, and I've never heard of this case before, and I just wanted to make sure people remembered Marie Carmelia Fuda is such a beautiful name. And I don't want people to, you know, read his confession, which is obviously bullshit, and not think that it's bullshit. Um, I also wanted to point out that Fuda is a dumbass um, because he was seen with her the day before the murders, riding on the train. And then he was literally seen with his hatchet and told the neighbors that he was having it sharpened. Like, are you, you're dumb. And so they placed her body on the track to try to make it seem like she was hit by a train. But I feel like that would only make the, the train conductor have to stop the train and investigate. It would have made more sense to have it next to the train, but I digress. And the hatchet with blood and hair was found only 100 yards away from the body, so not good at hiding evidence. Also had the bloody coat at the house. Um, so I'm not sad that this dumbass was hanged. And you can come for me if you want for that. But I just found this case very interesting, and I hope we can all remember... Marie Carmelia Fuda, who was tragically murdered in 1897 in Connecticut. 
So I hope you um, enjoyed is a strange word, but I hope you found this as interesting as I did. And if you have any requests for an area you would like me to um, investigate and cover um, to see if I can find a hatchet murder, an old time murder, you can email me at theaxemurderdiaries at gmail.com. You can also follow the Axe Murder Diaries on Instagram. There is a separate Instagram page from my Spooky New England Ghoul page on Instagram. And I hope you enjoyed it and keep listening. And again, if you have any ghost stories, um, personal ghost stories you'd like to send, you can email me as well. All right, thanks for listening. Stay spooky.